So Lord, daily we come, we come today. We come today to hear your voice, today to joyfully respond, today to hear that whisper and let the whisper become a shout. God, I pray as we continue on in worship and word and prayer in response to you, I pray may the richness of your greatness be made manifest in our midst. We pray that, we agree for that. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Wow. Golly, I just love being here. I love being here with you guys. I love what God's doing in our midst. I love the invitation of God. That little song, Come and Take Over, um, which we have been playing uh, the last couple of months, obviously came from a prayer uh, in 2021. God, we don't need a little help. We need you to come and take over. And uh, Annie Richmond and Thomas picked that up, and God used them to write that song. And it just came out on Spotify, Apple Music, all that good stuff. And uh, I'm going to be interviewing him this week on uh, our Passion Purpose podcast. And I'm putting it up there today, the Passion Purpose podcast, because we did four uh, different podcasts on dropping the oars. This whole idea that, again, we're going to reinforce again this morning, had different guests on there. And I just want to encourage you, when Jesus is walking by, don't miss him. When Jesus is speaking so significantly and profoundly, don't miss this window. And so a lot of these resources are just supports, whether it's music or whether it's more dialogue in depth around the scriptures of this idea of surrender. This is the Lord at work in our midst, and I just wanted to make that available to you guys. Um, All righty. Well, hey, you know, last week we started with um, a couple of different questions. You know, you came in here this morning uh, with so many different things going on in your heart and your mind. Uh, we began the year with so many different hearts and things in our mind. For some of us, we desperately need a miracle. If God doesn't move physically, I don't know if I can go on. If God doesn't move emotionally, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. If I don't have a relational breakthrough, I just can't keep going with this relational strain year after year after year. I've got to get a breakthrough. And ultimately what happens in our own hearts and lives is we, we land with, is this just going to be the same old thing? Is this just going to be over and over and over again? God, will you change me? Will something change? Will you do something? And what I know about God is his answer is always yes and amen. Maybe not in the exact way that you would desire an outcome, but his answer for him coming to be with you, to partner with you, to speak to you, to lead you, guide you, and direct you in the way that you should go, in the way that uh, would lead to the grace of God, the hope of God, the help of God. This is the story of the whole Bible. You can literally start in any book of the Bible and you will find the, the tragedy of man, you will find the intervention of God, and you will find hope. Uh, through the redemption of God, through some uh, idea or some way pointing to the blood of Jesus as the sacrifice that was made so that we can find grace. This is our story. This is your story and my story. So today, 
We're continuing uh, in this set-apart consecration month. Um, I'm going to be un- doing three things this morning. And what I found out is uh, because I'm ADD, and I, maybe some of you guys are as well, and again, I'm not talking official, clinically, medical. I'm just talking about in general, all over the place. Uh, it helps to get a little roadmap uh, for us, okay? So we're going to re- recap last week, if you weren't here. Then I'm going to unpack Mark chapter 6. And then we're going to respond with all of our hearts. How's that? Everybody good with that? Let's recap last week. Okay, Isaiah 33. And I got my little iPad. I love this little guy. All right. But there the the majestic one, the Lord. The majestic one, the Lord. I always got to stop. Just pause. The majestic one, the Lord. We just did that. We just exalted him, honored him. He is the Lord. What does it say? Everybody say this. He will be for us. He will be for us. Wow. A place of rivers and wide canals. God is making a way. He's making a way forward. But here's the, here's the, the, the clarity point. On which no boat with oars and on which no mighty ship will pass. God is saying, as I am exalted in this hour, and I'll say always for all time, but uniquely in this hour, as I am exalted and lifted up, you can know that I am for you. I'm going to make a way forward in the challenges and difficulties of life, but I'm not going to allow you to pick up your self-effort, your self-reliance, and the centrality of of your best efforts to get to where you need to go. We're going to have to drop the oars, which is the phrase that the Lord has been speaking to us in relation to how we get to this next place in God. And this just, once again, reestablishes the majesty of God. For he is our judge. He is our lawgiver. He is our king, and he will save us. Maybe another way to say it, when he is our judge, when he is our lawgiver, when he is our king, when we allow him to be himself in his fullness, then salvation comes not just for eternity, but from the current circumstances in place where we need a victory. The centrality of the beauty of Jesus, a way forward (laughs) by grace. All right, and as we kind of summarized last week, we said, all right, so if God is calling to this, what are kind of the key issues for drop the oars? Many people have said, okay, I, I, the phrase is really uh, cool, and, and I've thought, okay, where do we drop the oars? Why don't somebody just tell me what drop the oars means? And I really believe that God is specifically giving a lot of latitude here because everybody has their own oar. I can't tell you where your self-reliance is. I can't tell you where you're directing your own life. I can't tell you where you're believing a lie. You have to ask the Lord, Lord, where am I taking up self instead of you as central in my life? And then when he identifies it, then you drop the oar, right? And and if you want just a biblical deal, then I confess, agree with God that I've gone the wrong way. I repent and turn to God and I let go of whatever it is, okay? So in the core, though, of this dropping the oars deal are two key phrases, self-reliance, 
versus reliance on the Holy Spirit. The way forward now, today, 2023, in Waco, Texas, in the United States of America, actually around the world, is instead of self-reliance, we're going to have to fully become believers who have a God-reliance through the Holy Spirit. Which means, if you read the whole Bible, and especially when you get into the New Testament, the book of Acts, they were led by the Holy Spirit, and they looked behind them and saw what a great work God had done. They did not self-direct their lives, which gives me to point two, a self-directed life. We're letting go of that and getting a God-directed life. Um, many of you guys may know the story, and if, if not, this is more just a footnote. In Acts 27, there's this story of Paul is, is a, a prisoner, and he's on this ship, and he warns them, hey, if we don't follow God's saying, go this way, they go another way anyway. They're in the middle of a storm. God speaks again that I'll save you guys if you'll simply respond to the Lord in this moment. And they throw off all the extra weight trying to navigate the storm. They're doing everything they can to fight the storm, but they're not getting out of the storm. And then here is what it said in um, Acts uh, uh, 27, verse 40. It said, so in the middle of their storm, they cut off the anchors and let them sink in the sea. And at the same time, and this is the phrase, they untied the ropes that held the steering oars. How did they survive the storm? They untied the ropes that held the steering oar. It's often called the guiding oar. Another translation of that is the rudder. The rudder is the last oar that goes because when you let go of the rudder, you're no longer in control. Rudders propel, but rudders guide and direct. So back to what is God saying to us ultimately? Let go of the rudder, throw up the sails, and allow me to blow you where I will and lead you by my guidance, my direction, and my word. Quit self-directing your life. It's not going to work. And you're not gonna survive, let alone thrive. Then, they raised the sails at the front of the ship so that the wind would blow the ship forward and they headed for the shore. If I could summarize it this way, in all kindness and love, get off the throne and allow Jesus to enthrone himself. This is the centrality of the gospel. This is the centrality of the scripture. We are his, not he is ours. We are his. He is king. He is judge. He is lawgiver. And when we get off the throne of self-direction and self-reliance, we begin to get into the wisdom of God, the help of God, the hope of God. What this message is of dropping the oars, what it is not, is not irresponsibility because actually when I surrender everything to Jesus and begin to attend to obedience to his word, I am more diligent, more humble, more honoring, a more faithful worker, a more faithful husband, a more faithful parent everything begins to be, come into alignment because I'm not directing or deciding how I want to live my life. I'm letting God lead it. 
So it is not irresponsible. Actually, it's the most responsible and logical thing in the world that if the God of the universe is all-wise and all-knowing, if I'll let go of me being all-wise and all-knowing or let go of some idea from the world being the leadership of my life and allow him to direct me, who knows what God might do. But I can tell you it will be better than what you're doing. All right, with that as a fun little intro, um, let's jump in to today's text. Mark 6, if you have a Bible, verses 45 through 56. This is after the feeding of the 5,000, one of the most incredible miracles in the Bible. If you haven't read it, please do in the preceding passages. They just experienced an incredible miracle of of God multiplying bread and loaves, feeding 5,000, some say up to 15,000 people. And it says, then Jesus says this, starting verse 45, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side to Bethsaida, while he himself was sending the crowd away. After bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. When it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land, seeing them straining at the oars. We're coming back to that. Seeing them straining at the oars, for the wind was against them. At about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and he intended to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed that it was a ghost, and they cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them, and he said this to them, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind stopped, and they were utterly astonished, for they had not yet gained any insight from the incident of the loaves, but their heart was hardened. When they crossed over, they came to the land at Gennesaret. So they had landed on the shore. They moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him and ran about the whole country and began to carry here and there on their pallets those who were sick to the place they heard he was. Whenever he entered the villages or the cities or the countryside, they were laying the sick in the marketplaces and imploring him that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak. And as many as touched him were being cured. All righty, so let's unpack it. You ready? All right, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. When we come to a place where we're allowing God to direct us versus a self-directed life, we are letting him tell us where to go and what to do. The disciples, again, had been following. They've been seeing miracles. It was an incredible deal. And Jesus said to them, go to the other side. When he, when, uh, you, if you remember the story in the feeding of the 5,000, um, the uh, disciples recognized that there were a lot of people here who were really weary and they needed something to eat. And they said, Jesus, we need to let these people go. This is what we normally do. Go to their houses, find their food. And Jesus said to them, everybody said, Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. And they're like, okay, wait, this is not normal. This isn't the normal way we do things, Jesus. You need, we need, you need a little help here. You don't understand. There's not enough food for these guys. And he said, bring what you have. They bring the five loaves, the two fish. And Jesus breaks it, multiplies it, and he feeds everybody. Now, that is not the conventional wisdom of the day. But it is God's wisdom when he gets to have the last word and the first word on all things. Who knows what God might be speaking to you in these days if you would give him the opportunity to lead and to speak. 
There's so many of these things I'd like to illustrate, but let's, let's just keep going. So Jesus, the setup is we're going to the other side. So if Jesus says we're going to the other side, where are we going? Okay. All right. Great. That's fair enough. All right. So when it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea. All right. Okay. All right, everybody. Um, I think a lot of us right now in the Western world are right here. We've tried our best to listen to Jesus. We've kind of said, okay, we're, we're, we're going to follow you in the midst of this hour. And you find yourself in the middle of the sea. And it's the uh-oh time. I've come too far to turn back, but I'm not sure I want to go forward because I don't know the future. And if I actually abandon everything to Jesus, who knows what might happen. So I'm going to try to just do the best I can with what I have and be as religious as possible while I do it. I'm being lovingly serious today, you guys, because this is what I find everywhere. I want to be a good person. I want to love God. I want to honor God. I want to, want to do a few things, but I also want my old life back. I want my money back. I want the stock market back. I want my houses back. I want my um, uh, friends back. I want everything the way it used to be. And maybe now that COVID's over and we've kind of got some wheels, maybe we're going to get back to what we had where I could be church. I could be a nice person. I could do a few nice things. And I could also kind of have a few of my way as well. Maybe I could still have it all, but it keeps eluding you. Anybody notice that? About the time you get something going, something moves. And can I just say, I believe God's allowing that for the Western world specifically so that our reliance is not on self and the material things of this life, but on God who provides all things that you need, not just that you desire. We're actually in a unique time in history, at least in our lifetime. And my admonition is that here in the middle, that you not start picking up a bunch of oars to try to get back to a life that you once had, but you let go of the oars more than ever and let God begin to speak to you about the preferred life that he's always had for you and for me. So we're in the middle. When you're in the middle, that's when you need to pause and say, God, what needs to be let go of so that I can lay hold of you and listen for that direction? So Jesus, seeing them straining at the oars, for the wind was against them at the fourth watch of the night, he came. Everybody say, he came. (laughs) He came to them walking on the sea, and here's the most disturbing piece right here. He intended to pass them by. All right, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get there, okay? But first, let's talk about, once more time, this straining uh, at the oars. So here we go. Jesus says, we're going to the other side. Um, they said, great, miracle-working God. He's taking us to the other side. And then the storm hits. Anybody notice that once you get going, the storm hits? Right? 
there's always a storm. It's cyclical. It's cyclical in nature, let alone in our relationship with God. So something goes contrary to what we had preferred or what we had set out to do. So the storm hits, but it's what we do in the storm that determines the other side. It's totally what we do. So we fight the storm instead of pause and get low and ask for wisdom in the storm. So there, there, the, whatever the storm's going on personally or other, we need to stop and we need to say, God, what are you saying to me? Where might I align with you? Instead of fighting the contrary winds, what have you submitted to God? And that means that, of course, that means uh, submission, and it might mean you know contending in prayer. There is a there is a partnership with God in it, but it's not relying on the old ways of doing things. And I want to say this to business people. I want to say this to healthcare workers. I want to say this to educators. I want I want to say this to law enforcement. It's not going to be like it used to be. The, but God has a way forward in every area of industry. But it's going to have to be the wisdom of God and not the wisdom of man. Don't pick up the old book. Pick up this book. So what does it mean when we're straining at the oars? Here's a few quotes from people and people like myself who strain at the oars. First one is, I've got this. If you have said that, I would die for the floor right now. I have said that. And if I haven't said it with words, I've said it in my heart. Oh, I got this. Good for you. We'll see how that works for the long haul. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And you may truly have it. You may have a confidence. That's a beautiful thing. Please, you know, lead, guide, direct as the Holy Spirit's giving you grace, but not with an attitude of, I got this. God resists the proud, gives, gives grace to the humble. Um, here's a second one when you're straining at the oars. Um, what, uh, I already know how to do this, so just get out of my way and let me go. Anybody there? I, I am all these things, so just so you know. Uh, uh, just, and, and actually what happens is the more you know, the harder you row. And so I would just say, as a fellow rower, um, I would probably say, God, I don't know as I ought would you teach me your way instead of my way, especially in this storm that I cannot control? Here's another one. Um, when we get in a storm, instead of uh, getting a lighter load, we start adding stuff. <laughs> like, okay, there, there's too much, uh, you know, um, we got a problem with the kid, we got a, a, a problem with sports, we got a problem with education, we got a, we got a problem in our marriage, we got a problem. So let's add a bunch of stuff to really get out of it. <laughs> actually, you need to start jettisoning some stuff to make more room for God to actually get you out of this because you're not gonna get your, yourself out of it even if you're adding good stuff. God needs room to work. He needs space to work. You can't keep adding stuff to get out of the storm. You've got to let go of everything and then let God put back in the things that are needed to go forward. And maybe, maybe uh, one other one that I'd say is that back, and what we'll, get, we'll kind of transition here to why Jesus was about to walk by them. They had their heads down rowing instead of their heads up crying out. They, they were first head down 
instead of face up to God. So what are your oars? Where are you trying to do your best to get something done? Or where are you exhausted from going, but your head's still down? It could be down in self-pity. It could be down in introspection. But we need to look up and cry out to God. We need to open our Bible and let his word begin to speak to our hearts. We need to confess our sins or our needs to one another and lean into people. This is a biblical hour that if we will follow the simplicity of scripture through the, the, through the, the, the literally worship and prayer and leaning in and all these things we coach and talk about all the time, it's, it is now the time. <laughs> so here is my... I'm not mad dad moment out of just deep compassion for all of us. If you hear anything, hear this. As we talk about surrender, as we talk about drop the oars, we talk about how do I move forward in my parenting, how do I move forward in school and all the stuff that we have in our lives, business, healthcare, whatever the, whatever your, your kind of uh, assignment is, whatever stage of life you're in. People will come to me after preaching a sermon like this and say, you're not giving me enough practicals. Just give me a practical. Tell me a practical. Just give me a practical. Can I just lovingly say, you're begging for an oar, and God is trying to give you himself. If, I, if, if everybody told you how to brush your teeth, step out the door, do this, do that, you would rely on on every one of those little things and you would miss God. And in all love and grace, after 35 years of preaching and teaching and leading this church for 23 years, we have practicals for you. There are prayer cards out there. There's how to seek God. We have parenting books. We have financial courses. We have Life University. We have, ev- there are so many practicals, you guys. And there are needful. That's why we make them all available to, to, to help. And if you don't like any of Antioch's resources, just Google, help me with parenting. And, you, and some of that stuff you don't need to read, but you need to have discernment. <laughs> Biblical, Jesus-loving, God-honoring people who've actually raised kids is who you ought to listen to. Woo. All right, that's a, I'm, I'm tempted there. I'm on pause. But do, do you hear my heart, you guys? It's not give me another or. It's get on your knees, open the Bible, begin to read, and I encourage you, just take the Psalms. Just read till you find yourself and pray back to God your heart, where it aches, ask God for wisdom and help, lean into a brother or sister, get into a small group community, and begin to move forward in the middle of your storm instead of putting it on somebody else to pull you out and then blaming God for it in the end. Every 12-step program has similar deals, Christian, non-Christian. Every 12-step program is based on two basic premises, and it's this. (laughs) I can't get out of this on my own, and I need a higher power. Anybody know that, familiar with 12-step programs? 
So the 12 AA was started by a believer that was trying to reach the secular world. So he literally went through the Bible and found 12 steps of scripture. It's just, you can put scripture on every 12 step program. But here's where it has to come to. It has to come to, I'm in a storm, self-made, man-made, God allowed, I can't get out of it, I need a higher power, I would highly recommend to you that to be Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord as the only sustaining, clarity, exclusive one in the universe. So it's Jesus is Lord, and that allows us then to, at the very least, find the grace of God in our hearts and our emotions, at the very most, begin to get wisdom to move forward from the scriptures and from his mind. Amen. All right. But they saw him. Oh, uh, Galilee. He intended to pass them by. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, why did Jesus, this one bothered me for years, but he, can I tell you something about myself? This little parable would bother me for years, but then I would say, oh, well, there's enough to obey and know. I'll just go on. And when God wants to reveal it, he'll reveal it. If you get fixated on one parable or one scripture, that's on you, man. There's so much goodness and stuff that we already know to obey. <laughs> Put it on the shelf. Seek God about it. But man, the beauty of the richness of the redemption of God is from Genesis to Revelation. Just keep looking for God. You'll find him. Okay. So Jesus was going to walk by. Why was he going to walk by? Again, as I said, because they had their head down. They had this. They were fishermen. They got this. And he was saying, if you got this, then I'll let you have it. You know, that we often talk about how does God discipline his children? Because the scripture says he does. And that is not just parent to children, though I would encourage that. But what is, the, what is the adult version of God's discipline? It's him letting you have your way. You don't want to cry out to me? I'll walk right by and you can have it as long as you like. He sees you. He saw them from the shore. He's empathetic. He's wanting to come to you. He's wanting to walk by. He is throwing out a life, a hope rope and a life raft all the time for whoever will cry out to him. Remember blind Barnabas, son of David, have mercy on me. And then that, that, and then uh, he said, just get me to Jesus so that I can see. So I would just say again to us, cry out. Open the word and lean into the people of God and there, there is your 12-step program. I have a need. I need God. I believe your word is true. I need people who love you and want to walk with you and I'm leaning in. We're going to need each other, you guys, if you don't think we do now. I'm telling you, a storm is coming beyond what you've experienced and I've experienced and God is preparing us and he's walking by right now. Don't miss him. Pause. Let go of your oars and let him lead. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed that it was a ghost and cried out. There it is. For they all saw him and, and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. <laughs> Isn't that a good word? They cry out to God and Jesus said, oh, hey guys, take courage, don't be afraid. It was that simple. They cried, he responded, but he was gonna walk by with their heads were down doing their own thing. So again, it is not that God doesn't care about man, it's that man doesn't care about God. 
So turn your heart, cry out, and he's got a good word for you. Take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. I'll get in the boat with you. Oh, wind, waves, boom, y'all stop. Let's go on to the shore. Isn't that encouraging? Then Jesus, then he got into the boat. Woo! Lord, get in my boat, Lord. Get in my boat. Get in my checkbook, Lord. Get in my house, Lord. Get in my heart, Lord. Get in my marriage, Lord. Get in my roommates and me as a roommate. God, get, get, whatever it is, come and take over, God. Don't just help us come and take over. So, but here's what you, here's what, here's what you got to find out. When he comes, when he's invited into the boat, then he has to be Lord of the boat. You can't have stuff in the boat that's not of him. You got to jettison the stuff that's not of him for him to be Lord of the boat. So here's what I would say. Jesus was friendly with the disciples. He had just fed them. They got to be a part of an incredible miracle. They left with such joy after the feeding of the 5,000. He said, all right, guys, I'll see you on the other side. They're like, Jesus, we love you, man. They hugged him and everything else. And then friendly Jesus showed up as Lord. And they were terrified. But they cried out, and they found him again as friendly Jesus. <laughs> if Jesus isn't Lord, if he can't be king, ruling and reigning, you won't find the depth of what you need. But when he is Lord, then the friendship that you long for takes on a new level of grace. If you've ever been through a trial with a friend, you're deeper than if you've just been at a movie with a friend, right? Jesus wants to partner with us, not just as our friends, but as King and Lord over the universe, because we will need every aspect of his character in order to pull through the storms of life, to have security in the grace of God and be able to pull others through as well. And then the wind stopped, they were astonished. The companion verse of this, if you want to look it up, is Matthew 14. This is where Peter is asked the Lord in the middle of this scenario to walk on the water. And it says, those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, you are certainly the son of God. When we see victory in the storm, we see Jesus in his glory. So whatever storm you're in right now, he's trying to get your attention so that he can glorify himself and help you so that in turn you can help others. All right, last verse. For they had not gained any insight from the instant of the lows, but their hearts were hardened. So here's the deal. Jesus had fed the 5,000. He showed up, he, he told them to go to the other side. He had a great plan for their life. And it said they had not yet learned about the loaves because their hearts were hardened. And so here's the deal. You cannot rely on yesterday's manna to feed yourself today for what is needed for your future. You have to say, God, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Today, I need to love you. Today, I, I'm with you. 
Today, oh God, would you show me what needs to go so that I can be with you? And then as we read earlier, I won't, won't take time to do this right now, but in verses 53 through 56, they land on the other shore. Signs and wonders show up at such a magnitude that literally people are being brought into the streets. And you will see this over and over again in the scripture. Even that Acts 27 story I told you, Paul goes through the storm with the people. God says, let go of the oars. They land on the shore and the miracles start happening. There is always authority when you get through the storm with Jesus on the other side. And it's not just personal authority, but then it's the grace of God to distribute healing, restoration, and renewal. This is the story of history. This is the story of the Bible. And this is my own personal experience as well. The grace of God comes on the other side of the storm. It is there in the storm for those who cry out to him, but it is very apparent on the other side of the storm because we found Jesus. Now I know today I didn't share a lot of personal stories, but I think this story is even better than any story I could share. And what I wanna do is take a little bit of time here. We, we have about almost 15 minutes. And this song, Come and Take Over, is, is anointed for the moment. There's different songs in our life, in our history, right? If you played them again, you'd say, oh, that song, I remember that moment or what God was doing in me or what God was doing. I just want to invite you in. This is a we song. This is what God is doing among us. And it's now in, in a song form. And we're going through the scriptures and we're, we're marching along because Jesus is walking by. I don't want you to miss it. And I don't want to miss him. So I'm going to ask the guys to sing it through a little bit. You're welcome to sit or stand. You're welcome to come up at the front. In a little bit, I'm going to come up and Obviously, if you're here listening online or you're here in this room and you say, I don't even know Jesus, I would even let the words of this song do something in your heart. Just let it draw you to Jesus. And I'm gonna tell you how to get there in a moment. We'll, we'll do some ministry and pray for each other. But let's just respond right now. So Lord, we've heard your word. We've read your word. We've seen you in your word. Would you come and show us what oars we need to drop? Would you show us the way upward and the way forward in this moment? Let's sing together.
Stay in it. Don't, don't get distracted. We're going to go through the whole song again as a response. If you need to just come up front and get on your knees, we're just going to be singing. We're going to pray this song back to the Lord. If, if just on these two sides, we can have our prayer leaders available. If you need a breakthrough, healing, physical, mental, emotional, financial. We want to make sure there's people here to pray for you. We're going to sing and consecrate this song again. And um, if, if you would just go into this moment with me right now, I just want to make sure if there's anybody in this house right now that doesn't know Jesus, would you just call out on his name right now? For everybody else, just keep talking to the Lord. God, what orders do I need to drop? But for those who need to know Jesus, would you just pray this simple prayer if you need him? Lord Jesus, I need you. Just tell him you need him. Forgive me of my sins. You're, you're letting him know, I can't do this anymore. I need you. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead. You're just declaring what Jesus has done for you. And I give my heart to you. I give my life to you. I am yours. So Lord, whoever's calling on your name right now at home or in this room, we proclaim them free from the power of sin and death, free to fully let go and to experience your forgiveness and your abundant life. And now we together join with them and we sing, God. We sing our need and our desire for you. Let's sing it again and let God wash over you. If you need personal ministry right now, come on up to the front. But for everybody else, even if you just prayed that prayer, would you sing this song as a heartfelt response to him?